0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply
1: to the podcast. I hope your day is treating you well. I am spending this quarter writing my book, which means that we are posting a few of my personal favorite episodes from the last year. This episode originally aired earlier this year, but I'm wondering if you got a chance to listen to it. If you're interested in the book, you can be one of the first people to know when it goes live by signing up for our newsletter list at clubenneagram.com. For now, thanks for being here and let's get into the episode. I am Sarah Jane Case and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are talking about inner child work and the Enneagram. Inner child work is about our adult doing the work that was denied to us as children. So um, recognizing that we don't need anyone outside of ourselves to heal our childhood wounds. As we discover the part of us who is capable, confident, nurturing, we can give the little bitty version of us um, what it needed and was ultimately denied. I want to give you a little bit of an example from my own life. When I went to therapy, I oh gosh, like probably six years ago, I was talking to my therapist at the time about a long-standing story that I've told myself over and over and over again, which is that I am lazy. And If you know me in real life, you know, this is anything but true. I am obsessed with being productive. I'm obsessed with constantly doing, and if anything, I struggle with workaholism and have had to you know, prevent and recover from burnout time and time and time again, like my, my work on this earth has been rest, learning to rest. But because I had this childhood story that I was lazy quote unquote, I built and formed myself kind of in opposition to that message, right? So I had to unlearn this this word that had been spoken over me. And I'm just gonna tell you the story, like one of the stories of that and where that comes from. So I had this um, stepfather when I was, I mean, from the time I was seven years old until I was a sophomore in high school. Um, I had one stepdad at the, for that time, and he loved to call us lazy. He would, like, come in at the end of the day and just, like, yell that at us. And what I didn't know at the time when this was happening was that he, what, he had um, a pretty severe addiction, um, like drug addiction and all kinds of other kind of things going on in his life that were impacting the way he engaged with us. And instead of me at the time, you know, as a kid, looking at him and saying, well, you're not really a reliable source for what kind of person I am or my self-esteem, I really took that on. And the first time I burned out, I was in 11th grade. I was working. I wasn't playing sports. I was in all of these clubs. I was taking AP classes. And this was all completely self- enforced and self-regulated. And I, and I truly believe it was in direct response to wanting to prove that like, absolutely not, this is not who I am. And, um, one particular memory that I told my therapist about was how one day my, everybody in my house was gone and I had this laundry, There's like laundry that had been washed, but hadn't been put away. And I thought, I'm going to fold all of this laundry And everyone's going to be so happy when they come home. So I folded all the laundry and I left it out because it was a lot of laundry. (laughs) Like so much. I had uh, two older brothers who lived with us at the time. Me, my stepdad, my, my mom. So five humans laundry and I folded all of it. And I wanted them to come in and just see how much I had done and feel impressed. So he came home and was not impressed and in fact started kind of got angry that I hadn't put the laundry away that I had done it but not put it away and so he like went on to yell at me call me lazy like all of these things because I didn't like finish the job according to his view so I told my therapist about this and he or, or she was kind of like well, if you were, as a grown-up, to go back and sit in that room with that child being treated that way, what would you do? And there was so much clarity for me in that question of just, like, I would never let an adult talk to a child like that, no matter who they were. I would reassure the child of their intentions. I would check in with the child and ask them You know, kind of how they're doing, what they were thinking, um, how they're feeling, if they're okay. I would reassure them that they are good and loved and worthy of love. Um, And just recognizing the adult version of me that is so much more able to love in that moment um, than he was able to love. And the part of me that can recognize like, oh, he was very wrong. Um, I couldn't recognize that until I kind of did this exercise of going back to where I had, you know, to that time and as an adult being the protector for my childhood self. um, It also allowed me to recognize like as a parent, I wouldn't let someone like that into my child's life, right? So this was this whole other journey of healing around how did he get to be there in the first place and how did he get to stay for so long and all you know honoring the wounding that happened and loving myself as if you know i was able to kind of go back and love the little girl who lived through these things and um yeah so we all have these experiences these missed messages and the enneagram talks to us about that right it talks about those childhood wounds that occurred that we can kind of go back into and honor and love, pour love in there. Um, and I like using the soul child theory as well as a starting place for this work. So, um, you know, truly meeting the part of us that we feel wasn't allowed to thrive in loving ourselves there. So let's talk a little bit about first the childhood wounds, and then we'll get into the soul child theory as well, which we've covered before on its own episode. But we'll we'll tap back in through this lens. So let's talk about the childhood wounds. So the type one wound here is that, that oftentimes these children felt criticized or punished or not good enough. Um, Maybe the household rules felt inconsistent. Um, so then because it was inconsistent, they felt like, okay, I need to create consistency or I need to really understand how to be good and not make mistakes so that I can make sure that I don't, I'm not doing anything wrong. So they're paying attention to what are the rules and how can I make sure I'm doing the right thing within these different parameters. Um, the And ultimately kind of the missed message here or the message that they received was, you could always be doing better. You're never quite good enough. You could always be better than like what you are. So if we want to kind of go back and pour love back into this space, it's about kind of allowing yourself to be a kid, you know, letting yourself release that pressure to be good all the time and perfect and to not make mistakes, but to imagine how can I, how would I as an adult speak to a child who has made a mistake i would likely offer them way more grace than i'm offering myself right and then we have our type twos and these type twos often felt loved mostly if they were helping or pleasing others having needs felt selfish so as a result they learned to not have need and their feelings It it became like, how can I earn this love, not what does it mean to be loved for who I am? And so when we kind of go back and we think about, we, I often, we talk about, you know, how would I do this if I were parenting this person? And if I were parenting this person and, and I were able to kind of come from my truest self, I would make sure that this kiddo knew that they were loved for who they are that love isn't earned, that they are wonderful and interesting, and that there's nothing wrong with having needs or feelings or emotions, or struggling sometimes. And that they can ask for help, that they are not a burden. And our type threes felt rewarded for what they did and how well they did, you know, how much they accomplished, Oftentimes their feelings were d- discounted or ignored and their performance is what got the attention of their caregivers and may even have been like what was expected of them. Like This is what matters is how much you can accomplish. And this is what we notice and we pay attention to. And this can sometimes, you know, this may have harmed their ability to love themselves for who they are and not just what they do. So sometimes in our threes, because of this pattern, real love gets replaced with admiration. Feeling like, oh, we, I, I think you're, I'm so impressed by you. Isn't the same, right? As I see you, I love you in your darkest hours, you're still worthy. It's not the same as admiration, right? So for our threes, the message you know, to send and and the message that I would want to send to a little kiddo three as they're on their journey is you're so much more than what you do and your, your needs, your wants, your preferences matter, what you accomplish and how well you do at the things you try. That's not the point. The point is to enjoy this one wild life that you have and this one beautiful existence, and that I love you even when you're messy, even when you're failing, even when you aren't trying or you don't feel like you can get up that day, I still want to be around you. I still think you're wonderful, lovable. It is the busiest time of year. So if you need a break from the holiday action, Best Fiends is the perfect pick me up. It's seriously my new favorite game. Best Fiends is a match three style puzzle and adventure game all rolled into one, and with more levels being added all the time, there's always something new to play. Best Fiends has it all, an amazing storyline, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. I cannot put it down. It's quite possibly the best puzzle game I've played. If you don't have Wi-Fi, that's not a problem. You can play Best Fiends wherever and whenever you want with offline mode. So. Even if your holiday travels take you off the beaten path, you can still play Best Beans. I personally do love to play it on an airplane. I love to watch and put a movie in, kind of have it in the background, play Best Beans. It's also really good if you just are sitting around the holiday table, trying not to start an intense discussion and need a little bit of something else to focus on, but you're trying not to be on social media all day every day. It gives you a little bit of a safe distraction. So it's so fun. I feel like it's an easy game, but it's a strategy-based game. So you have a lot of thinking to do, but it's still not like so much that you're overwhelmed. It's really incentivizing because it keeps you kind of moving and going and you get rewards and bonuses, so fun. So you can download Best Fiends for free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Thank you so much, Best Fiends, for supporting the podcast.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: We have our type fours. Now, these children often felt abandoned by one or both of their caretakers or their immediate family. They felt alone or cut off from love. And, and oftentimes because they, they in ways that they couldn't understand. So They felt like they weren't truly seen, that they couldn't see themselves and their caregivers. And they felt different from their parents or the people who took care of them. So as a result, they learned to turn inward to their feelings, to their imagination. And this is how they coped with the feeling that they didn't belong. And so for our little force, you know, it's like, how do we go back and say, you belong because you are. There's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. You are interesting and beautiful and incredible and I wouldn't change you. And your sensitivity is a power and a gift. And our type fives and these children, they often, felt like they had no true meaningful interaction. Maybe their caregivers weren't very emotional or maybe they weren't very affectionate. Or kind of the opposite can happen where they had kind of intrusive, over-controlling parents who wanted too much from them. And so they felt like all their time and their energy and their needs were being invaded upon, like they were constantly being intruded upon. So as a result, they built walls around themselves and retreated into their minds as a way to escape what felt really overwhelming and all-consuming. And to these little fives, we can where we can pour love in is like you're allowed to have your space. You're allowed to ask for what you need. It's okay that you want to spend time with yourself I will respect your energy levels and for our type sixes the side that is trusting and and overly loyal oftentimes they were raised in these like unpredictable situations or maybe they felt like they had no safe place to go and so they felt like protection wasn't, wasn't an option and so they turned to their own kind of way to form protection against the world or against instability. And they built up their own defenses through doubting or disbelief, rejecting their own instincts and inner guidance, not trusting themselves. And to our little sixes, we can say, you know, safety is not guaranteed. But you are never without support. You can trust yourself. There's no wrong way. And I know it's hard to believe, but it's gonna be okay. You are resilient, you will get through it. Any hard thing that comes your way, you have what it takes to get through. For our type sevens, we are often deprived of our nurturing or maybe it was mo- removed too soon And so because of this lack, you may find yourself searching for things to distract or minimize or repress the fear and pain that that created and may decide to focus on the positive options and rely on yourself to fulfill your desires and gain a sense of nurturing from yourself through pleasure and joy and satisfaction. And so kind of going back to our little seven selves, and saying, Hey, I've got you. You don't have to do this alone. Your sadness isn't overwhelming for me. i like you even when you're having a hard time. It is not your job to make me happy. And for our type eights, they often grew up in an unsafe environment. Maybe that's emotionally or physically and had to learn how to grow up a little bit too soon. And maybe they didn't feel safe to be vulnerable because a lot of times they weren't safe to be vulnerable. Or maybe they felt controlled. Maybe their weakness was used against them so they focused on building their strength so that they could stand up to the forces that were opposing them. And kind of going back to our little eights, I would want to be your protection, right? I want to stand in the gap for you, fight for you, so that you don't have to power up, so that you could be the kid, so that you could believe in the lightness of life for a whole lot longer. And for our type nines, these children were often overlooked or neglected, or maybe they felt like no one was interested in them or what they had to say didn't matter. Sometimes I hear nine say I felt lost. Maybe they felt like their needs were ignored or when they expressed themselves, especially when they were angry, that no one was listening. And so they decided to keep, they decided that it was necessary to keep a low profile and just focus on the needs of others. And to our little nines, you know, I want you to know that like your disruption is normal. Interjecting is fine. I'm interested in you. Who Tell me who you are. Tell me what matters to you. I want you to be able to be angry and for me to not be bothered, for you to know that it's safe and okay to have intense emotions, to have experiences. I want you to know that I'll be with you while you try new things. You don't have to do it alone. And when you're ready, I won't micromanage you. I'll let you have your space. But until then, you have my support. You know, we could go back and say, tell me more about that. How does that make you feel? And so when we think about it through the lens of our childhood wounds, there's some information there around what can be healed. But I'm also interested in t- the soul child theory here, right? Like we're specifically referencing the work of Sandra Maitri, which is the idea that you in your essence and your like littlest self kind of were born as the number that you move to and rest. So type seven would be five type eight would be two type nine would be three and so on, you know, that we kind of are, built our persona, which is our Enneagram type, around that little rest number to protect it, to keep it safe. So we kind of developed these tactics for protecting the truest part of ourselves, right? So I have a full episode on Soul Child's So I'm not going to go too, too deep into that concept, Um, but I definitely, if this is something that interests you, you might want to go back and listen to that episode for sure. But kind of our, for our type ones, it's kind of, you know, I'll use type one as an example. You know, inside of every kind of good person, every righteous type one is a little kid who cares nothing about being good or bad or doing the right thing he just wants to play and have a good time and to take in all of the wonderful things that life has to offer they're kind of a little seven so and along the way somewhere they received the message that being carefree isn't okay and isn't safe so they kind of form that type one structure. Okay, well, if it's not safe for me to be carefree, then I'm going to be a really good person. And I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to constantly improve. And I, and that's going to protect the part of me that really just wants to have a good time. So as a one moves beyond his judgments and self-criticism and is able to allow this kind of pleasure-seeking young part of themselves it allows you to kind of transform and understand that behind all of this kind of self-judgment and fear of imperfection it's just your your attempt to defend against your own little self's desire to be free and the more you kind of let that little kid drive the ship the more you're going to get in touch with the love and delight in life that is really waiting for you under the surface. It's just already inside of you. You're just trying to keep it safe. So I know that's just kind of like a taste of the Soul Child conversation, but I did, again, go reference that episode. Um, I think it's it allows me to go much more in depth there. But honestly, at the end of the day, I think of inner child work as meeting our younger self, pouring love in where it was missing. So, releasing the pressure to overcomplicate it, right? Allow for it to be simple, full of love and validation. If thinking about it through the lens of childhood wounds brings healing, well then great. If the Soul Child Theory is right for you, also great. If you need to just get to know that part of yourself first a worthwhile that is a hundred percent a worthwhile use of your time. So don't carry the pressure to do this the right way. Everyone's journey to healing is the right journey for them. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did come hang out with me in the Enneagram Summit. You don't want to miss it. If you really are craving depth with your Enneagram work this is where it's at. We'll put the link to that in the sh- in the show notes. And as always, I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com easy. Ramp.com easy. R-A-M-P dot com easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.